We are so glad that everybody is with us here tonight. Welcome to Moncton Wesleyan for our Wednesday night conversation. We have had so much fun doing this each week during the midweek as part of this series called The Six Habits of Healthy People. And in this series, each week we've been talking about different disciplines that people have incorporated into their lives uh, that, that contribute to health. We talked about spiritual, your identity in Christ, your spiritual habits. We've talked about uh, work habits. We've talked about physical health habits. We've talked about, uh, you'll, you maybe even have to remind me some of the ones. We were talking about that before, uh, about how sometimes after a message on Sunday, it's easy for me to go, okay, well, I've done that one. Now I've got to think about the next one. And so uh, let me just remember, what else did we talk about, guys? We talked about... Uh, this past, yes, purpose, work habits. And then this week, this week, we talked about relationship habits. And in particular, we talked about uh, how to confront people and about how to deal with conflict and to resolve conflict. Basically, how to get along with people in the world and uh, kind of not kill them, basically. <laughs> and so uh, how, to, how to honor Jesus in our relationships, I guess, is a better, more spiritually mature way to put that. But we're ready to have a fun conversation tonight, and we'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, in just a minute, we're going to introduce our special guests who will be with us for the evening. Uh, but let me just remind you, in the comments, if you're with us right now on Facebook Live, we would love to hear your questions and we have somebody moderating right now, we might not be able to get to every question. So please, if, if you put something in the comments and it doesn't get responded to, please don't take that personally. Uh, we, we, we might not have time to get to everything that comes up in the comments, but we'll try. Our moderator will pick some of those and send those to us, and uh, we'll do our absolute best. So we want to hear from you tonight. But first, let's introduce our guests who are here this evening. First of all, here with us, in studio is our good friend, Tia Bailey. Could you tell everybody, Tia, who you are and why you're passionate about this subject? Yeah, uh, well, I'm Tia. Uh, some of you know me as uh, 180. I'm the resident rapper from Moncton Wesleyan. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm passionate about this, uh, this subject because, you know, pretty much everything that I do, everything I'm involved in is, is connected and tied somehow to the relationships that I have. Um, it's important to me to build relationships with people and uh, and uh, and to maintain them and so yeah it's it's a very important subject for me Thank you. And so I'm really glad you cleared that up because people ask all the time if I'm the rapper from Moncton Wesley. And I, I've been asked that, and so I wanted to take care of that for you. That's we get why confused I did that. all the time. I got your so back. I really do appreciate that. Definitely want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I used to. Now you're going to get me started. I used to write raps for Vacation Bible School every year and perform them years and years ago. So I have some, some back here. You better watch out. I might bust out some rhymes. Now so. look what you did. <laughs> Break out some bars tonight. All right. Well, uh, back to more serious things. Uh, right beside Tia, we have uh, Tiffany McGraw. And uh, Tiffany, could you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and why you're passionate about this? Sure. So my name is Tiffany McGraw, as you mentioned. And um, I'm the regional director for the Canadian Bible Society, a new job that I just started uh, last month, which I'm super excited about. 
Uh, and I'm very passionate about tonight's topic because um, one of the things that I hope we're going to be touching on that you had mentioned on Sunday was about forgiveness and about forgiving people right. and uh, how important it is. And I really, really, truly believe that it is a key to freedom. It's a key to walking out your relationship with Christ. And um, I just think that it's a really big deal. Uh, and I hope that we get to it tonight. Yeah, well, and... I am assuming we'll probably get people who ask questions about that uh, in the in the chat, and so uh, I would imagine we will. And even if we don't, Tiffany, you be sure to bring us back to it because it's really okay. important that we <laughs> uh, that we talk about that. And hey, everybody in the comments, stop asking me to rap. Do you are you guys seeing that? So uh, we have more important things to do tonight. Dorothy, uh, let me introduce as well, Dorothy. Uh, Gaudette, who works uh, here at the church. Dorothy, could you tell everybody what you uh, do here at the church and why you're passionate about this? Absolutely. I don't rap at the church, <laughs> though Tia has heard me rap before. Have you ever gonna, rapped presents? I was just going to say she doesn't rap at the church. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> you did catch that. So. <laughs> she hits the clubs, though, sometimes. <laughs> no, only at home in my living room with Tia. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm the director of community outreach at Moncton Westland and loving this role. Um, I am so passionate about this topic. I've spent my whole career in people and culture, in coaching, um, being able to look at what makes people tick. I feel a lot of times that offense gets in our way of relationships. And I see through Celebrate Recovery just the devastation and the divide that it can create when we don't address things in the proper time and in the proper way. So hopefully some of what we talk talk about today might be freeing, like Tiffany said, it might provide some, just, it may provide some solutions for people that are struggling in the relationships right now. Excellent. Very, very good. Well, we, before we get into this conversation, let me just say uh, as well to everybody who's out there, uh, we're going to pray at the end for you because we know that relationships are a challenging subject for us all. And so if you stick through with us to the end, we have a special prayer that we would like to pray over you and your relationships. But I had this thought. I thought, you know, it's possible that some of you out there who are with us live right now, you've got people who you wish they knew how to do relationships better, right? You've got people who drive you crazy <laughs> because... Uh, they don't know how to deal with conflict. They don't know how to treat people with respect. They, and so maybe you need to share this right now. Hit the share button on Facebook so that some people might stumble across. Maybe you sharing could actually make your relationships better. I don't know. It's just a thought. And then also this will show up as a podcast tomorrow. on and Wherever you find your podcast, just search Moncton Wesleyan and you can uh, listen to this conversation or send it to somebody. Maybe you've got people who aren't Facebook people, but they're podcast people and might listen to it while they're out walking or riding in the car. And uh, so just keep that in mind. You could also send it to people uh, as a podcast tomorrow. But the first question we're going to start with, and Tia, I'm going to land on you, brother. I think I'm ready. Is when you look back at your life and you think about the younger you, and all the relational drama that you've been through over your life, uh, 
What advice would you give to younger you about how to deal with people? Yeah, I think I would definitely tell younger me that, you know, every disagreement doesn't have to be a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, um, it's okay to disagree with people and, you know, life still has to go on. Um, I found, like, when I was younger, we either got along or we fought. Like that, And that's kind of how I um, would deal with conflict or um, just relationship stuff. So I think for me... Um, the relational advice I would give to myself is to, you know, uh, one thing I've, I've grown in now is my ability to kind of assess a situation and then determine how I move in it, um, which I wasn't good at as the younger me, uh, you know. And so, yeah, I think, I think I would teach the younger me to not jump the gun so much, I guess, is the best way to sum all that up. Mm, absolutely. Well, Tiffany, what would you say about that? What are, what's some advice that you would give to young Tiffany to avoid? Oh, gosh. <laughs> We're just going to have to take the whole night right now and give Tiffany <laughs> That's it. the rest of the night because, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I think probably what I would go back and tell myself is not to rely so much on trying to find my identity in other people um, and trying to... Uh, expect other people to meet my needs and um, it's not a secret I'm I'm a divorced woman so you know I have went through a marriage for 20 years and coming out on the other side of that realizing that my identity was mostly in my husband and I relied on him to meet my needs and when he didn't meet the needs that I expected him to in those you know romantic movies that you watch every weekend um you know, problems arise. Mm. And uh, so I think that's probably the two main things that I would go back and tell myself for sure. Well, and I want, I want to come back to Dorothy here in just a minute with that question. But while we're on that subject of marriage, and you talked about how so often that can be our identity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and man, when something goes wrong, how that rocks us, which is understandable. And, and so I just want to ask you, do you feel like sometimes our culture puts too much emphasis on romantic relationships and devalues other types of relationships? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's almost looked, uh, you're almost looked upon as an outsider if you're single. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're supposed to be married. What's wrong with you? And uh, so, so, yeah, they definitely do for sure. Especially around the day that's coming up in a couple of days. What's that called? Oh, that- that's this weekend, <laughs> isn't it? Yes, thank you. Uh, guys, you get to... Appreciate uh, the heads up. Yeah, thank you, so much. you have to uh, send flowers to Tiffany for reminding you to get flowers for your wife. She just saved you a whole bunch of trouble. That's right. That. Thank you for that reminder. Well, and, I, and I hope maybe we'll come back to this subject if we have time, if... If we don't get a whole lot of questions and, and I get to just kind of go wherever we want to go tonight, uh, I'd love to come back to that maybe a little bit to talk about that because that's one of the things that we talk a lot about around here at, that we know that the Bible celebrates the sacredness of marriage, the covenant of marriage. But sometimes I think in the Western church, we have celebrated the sacredness of marriage but fail to celebrate the sacredness of singleness. So and, good. And, and in the New Testament, 
the Apostle Paul says it is actually better for many Christians not to get married so they can be more devoted to the mission of the kingdom of, of Christ. And so he says, I think it would be better for a lot more people not to pursue marriage so that they could you know, be more fully devoted to the kingdom. And, uh, and so Paul really strongly affirms the sacredness of singleness. And yet sometimes I think in the church, we have devalued singleness while scripture actually elevates the beauty of it. So thank you. Awesome. Well, Dorothy, let's, uh, let's come back to you on that, uh, that question. What advice would you give to younger you about how to get along with people without killing them? <laughs> I'm like Tiffany. I was thinking, oh, we could do a whole hour just on the lessons that I've learned. Um, I think uh, throughout my childhood, I had some estranged relationships within my family. And the need for me to be right overpowered the relationship. So if I could go back, it would be that um, to not need to be right, to listen and respect the other person um, that you're trying to build the relationship and see where they're coming at, um, where their information, ask a lot of questions to them, try to find out what pieces in them are causing the argument with you. Um, we all come with broken pieces and often in relationships when they collide together, that's when we have conflict. So being caring and open and questions and who cares if you're right? Um, at the end of the day, it's about building strong relationships and having the opportunity to learn. The other thing that I would suggest is get to it quickly. As mm. time passes on, that small little rift that came between you begins to grow and expand and a fence starts to play. And if you can just come at it with kindness, come at it with positivity and just just take away any power that that argument has. Um, I definitely think that that would have been a great lesson for me to learn in my younger years. So uh, don't focus so much on how right you are and uh, deal with issues somewhat quickly. Was that kind of, yeah. And so that's what we saw on Sunday in the message where uh, the New Testament says to deal with your anger quickly so that the devil does not get that foothold in your life. And, and yet what I, and I, I'd be interested to hear what any of you have to say about this. What I have found though, is that sometimes I need to not deal with my anger too quickly, <laughs> right? That I get that email that really sets me off or really hurts my feelings. And, and so immediately I write a response, but I don't hit send. <laughs> right? Are, are you with me? And then sometimes 24 hours, I realize all the stuff that I wrote when I responded quickly, I probably shouldn't say that way. It was not the most productive yeah. response. Do we want to talk about this a little bit? Is, is anybody else <laughs> feeling me tonight on that issue? Yeah. How, do, how do you, do any of you have any tips, uh, things that you've learned about how to respond when your immediate response is anger or hurt feelings and and you know that you need to deal with the issue. You know you need to confront the person. But maybe now is not the right moment. How do you guys deal with that? 
Oh, I, uh, sorry, go ahead, Pia. No, no, I was just going to say, you were up, he Tiffany. Made, he made eye contact with me, and I was like, <laughs> I suck at this, so I don't want this one. This is, <laughs> that's all I got nervous, Tiffany. You go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, I was just going to say that I, I've learned my lesson a few times to wait uh, at least 24 hours before sending an email and um, to uh, typically to say hard things. Uh, in person is is better than in an email because an email can come across so different than you mm. want it to. Mm. So those are my two things. So to wait 24 hours before responding, because by then hopefully you're calmed down a little bit and to not send, if you can avoid it, to not send uh, difficult issues in an email, to, to com- confront that person face-to-face or on a phone call. You can still get a gist of the idea of what's trying to be said over a phone call. But an email is kind of bad when you're trying to confront a, mm-hmm. a bad situation. That's good. I, I think Kevin Campbell in the comments, I don't know if he gets really, really angry. He says he needs three days. Three days? <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, how about you, Dorothy? Do you have any, uh, any sort of normal patterns that you have when somebody really upsets you and you've got to try to process how to, how to respond, when to respond? Absolutely. My, my natural personality, um, I process externally. And so my natural personality is just to come back with the first thing that's on my mind, which generally is not the best reply. Um, so the same way I'd like to I just take a breath, remove myself from the situation, try to put myself in the other person's shoes to see how could they be taking the conversation? What part could have been a miscommunication? Um, and then be able to respond again out of love. And I love what Tiffany said. I totally agree with that, um, is that you've got to give yourself that space and that time, but you've got to make it personal. Um, words on a page can be read a bunch of different ways and they don't see your heart or your emotions. So whenever you possibly can to do it in person. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. It- I think that's one of the things on social media, and we probably ought to talk about social media later, right? I think that's one of the things on social media is they find that people talk to different differently face to face than they do online. All you have to do is watch the New Brunswick health updates on COVID each day and read the comments. And people are like, oh, don't read the comments. They're horrible. Like they say evil, horrible things. And and I was actually talking with our mayor who was with Dr. Jennifer Russell, uh, who was our our provincial uh, health officer, and they were actually sharing back and forth like the horrible, horrible things that people write to them personally, yeah. like the the violent things and like bad, bad things, and uh, and we were we were talking about how often that happens, and and it made me think when I was talking with our mayor about that, how often she deals with that. I thought most people would never say that to her face. Right. They'll only do it behind a computer or behind a phone. And so I think your advice that you gave about face-to-face uh, makes us much more gracious and we can read emotions better. Yeah? Yeah, 100%. I, I, I actually use the term internet gangsters is what I say. It was what I call it. Um, I just think that um, right now we're in a, we're in a time when, um, you know, where people feel a lot safer saying some outlandish things to people um, that they wouldn't normally say um, 
in front of them. And I, that's honestly like, I've actually been off social media for, I don't know now, it's got to be three weeks, two or three weeks. And it's been actually refreshing um, just because of, just because of that. Like I don't, I don't get a, get aggravated with people on it. I get aggravated watching people on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and just seeing how, like, again, the comments to the to the health updates, right? Like, I mean, it just is what it is, man. Like, what are you going? What are you actually going to do with this comment? Right? Yeah. Like, no, no. I, I will admit, one of the reasons I read those comments though is because it reminds me how unreasonable many people are yeah. uh, in terms of their response. To, and again, I'm not saying the province is doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Please don't think yeah. that I'm making a political statement. But when I, when I read the comments and about anything, not just the yeah. health updates, like uh, I was reading the comments because I'm a glutton for punishment uh, about one of the businesses that was reopening and how right. they were instituting some policies. And people were just ripping them about the things that they were doing because the province is forcing them to do it, but they're angry at the local business. And I read those comments sometimes to remind me, you know what, my life's not so bad after all. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think people complain to me. <laughs> there'd be some similarities and you know, like the church has a Facebook account. Right. So if you preach a message or say something in that message that doesn't rub well, then somebody will confidently go on on Facebook and say something. I I mean I've been I mean, meaning to talk to you about I'm, that, I'm, too. I'm a rapper. I get slapped around all the time online. It's cool. I, I enjoy it. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, for me, um, it's just a weird place and for that. Like, I just, it drives me nuts. Anyway, that's my rant Social for the media night. is not the place for relationships. <laughs> oh, unpack that thought. Yes, that's a great quote. Go. Yeah, go, go with that. What do you mean? Yeah. Social media, like, if you look at even Facebook, um, Snapchat with how many friends you have and these relationships that you have with people that you don't know, um, you don't connect with, you don't build relationship with, you you like or unlike, make positive comments, negative comments, depending on your beliefs and your morals and your value system, but there's absolutely no relationship behind it. Um, so it's a very um, it's a very hollow form of connecting with each other. Or very superficial form of connecting. Mm. Yeah. Do you ever feel now? Now all of a sudden, I'm going to get really sad and serious. Uh-huh. Uh, do you ever feel really sad for the generation of kids who are being raised up right now with phones in their pockets and constant Instagram and TikTok and and uh, and being evaluated online every moment of every day. Like, do you? Absolutely. Oh, I just yeah, it grieves me. And and actually, me it's selfies. The selfies that everybody are taking. It's like, look at me, look at me, look at me now, look at me now, and it's all about your outward appearance. And this kind of facade life that you've created, it does make me really sad um, because they're not experiencing climbing a tree or camping or um, building those strong relationships together. Mm. Well, before we move back to some more joyful conversation and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and positive advice, I, I, I will just mention this Sunday when we finish up this series talking about uh, guarding your purity and what God has called us to when it comes to healthy sexuality. Uh, 
we're going to be sharing this weekend some shocking and sobering statistics about the role of these devices in kids' pockets today. And, uh, and the, the percentages are absolutely shocking of how many of our teenage girls are, are being put in horrible positions on a, on a regular basis with people sending them graphic pictures and like just the statistics on that are, are crazy. And so it's a, it's a broader conversation about connectedness, I think, to some extent, because it's like there's this artificial life that's different than face-to-face -face life. And people do things online or over text and, and social media that they would never do face-to-face. -face. Like so, it, yeah, yeah. We, a lot of prayer. Well, let me, let me ask this question. Let, let's come back to the issue of confronting. Because, Dorothy, I think you just mentioned a minute ago about when you're upset with somebody and how to respond to that. Let me, let me give just a quick review for people who maybe did not hear the message or God help them. They actually forgot something that I said on Sunday. Uh, don't worry. Sometimes I forget things that I said on Sunday. Uh, but on Sunday, we walked through Revelation chapter 2. We really touched on about seven different areas about how to keep relationships healthy, friendships healthy, and every type of relationship. But the very first one that we looked at on Sunday was how to confront people when there's a problem. And we looked at the model of Jesus in Revelation chapter 2, where he confronts a group of people in the city of Ephesus. And in it, we looked at how really he kind of walked through four steps in his confrontation. And the first thing he did was, number one, he starts with the positive. And I, I won't read the passage. I'd encourage you, if you'd like to read it, go back uh, yourselves and look on Revelation uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 2, where he he starts with the positive. He says, I know your good deeds. I know all this, the good things that you've done. So he emphasizes the positive. Number two, he emphasizes that they're not enemies. Remember, we're not enemies. I love you. We're on the same team here. It's some of that benefit of the doubt, Dorothy, that you were talking about, where you don't just automatically assume that they were out for bad. You give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'd love to talk more about that, too, as we get into walking through these steps. But then, finally, it's not until after you've started with the positive, remember that we're not enemies, and then, it, and only after that, did Jesus bring up the problem. And he says, yet I hold this against you. And then he gets into talking about uh, some of the problems. And then we were reminded, number four, that Jesus never just points out problems, he always wants to be part of the solution. Amen? And so, with that in mind, what I, what I just want to ask is, have you found that it is common for people to skip to number three, just launching right in with the problem, without doing number one and two first, which is uh, focus on the positive, tell them all the good stuff, Remember, we're not enemies, benefit of the doubt, we're on the same team here. Like what I find, again, when usually when I get one of those complaint emails or somebody, you know, they have, they don't start with that. They just walk up, Joel, I got a problem, run, 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 and they launch right into it, right? Is that your experience or am I the only one yeah. who gets that? 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think like part of why that happens is because one and two is internal and it's, you know, focusing on yourself and, you know, I know for myself, like if I'm, if I'm upset with somebody or upset about something, um, I don't view me as the problem. <laughs> and so Whoa. it's hard for me. It's it, it, it becomes Ooh, harder. You might, to, you might want to say that one again. Yeah. Like it, it, when, if I'm upset at you for something, then it's hard for me to see myself as the problem because I'm upset at you. And so it's, it's really, it's, it's easier to go to step three um, because step step one and two requires me to stop, take a minute, and find out what my involvement was in this, or what you know, why did you, why am I upset at you, or whatever, right? Like it, it requires it requires me to look at me, and in the time of being upset, I don't really want to look at me. It's it's you, <laughs> you know, and so um, like if I'm being really honest, that that's why um, that's why step three. Um, seems a whole lot easier to get to than than one and two. Uh, my, I looked at that question when it was sent out, and um, I use them all, but they're just in a different order. Okay. <laughs> right? Okay. So, so, Let's talk, so tell us so, what you mean. So the honest order is um, start with state the problem, and then then I'll remember that we're not enemies. Then I'll figure out a positive about you, and then we can go into figuring out how to fix it, whatever it was. Okay. Um, Totally yeah. the wrong order, but that's that's. But I I, I came into this saying I'm going to be honest about all Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. And so, Absolutely. um, so so yeah. But that's the reason why I find number three the easiest. I, I don't know if I the order is that. as important as not omitting one of the three <laughs> right. or yeah. one of the four. Yeah, I right? mean, because the thing is, is like most of my relationships are close relationships. Like my real relationships are close relationships. So I always tell people, like, I don't really have friends. I have family. If we're close, mm -hmm. you're considered family to me. And something my grandfather used to say when we were younger is, you know, friends will let you down, but family, you got to get over it, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's why I treat my close friends like family. And so this here... Regardless, the order might be wrong sometimes, but eventually I have to realize that we're not enemies. Like we're we we do life together, you know. And then you know, and then you look at, because. And to be totally honest with you, not to not to make it sound like I'm I just I brush everything off, but for the most part, if you're not in that circle, you don't really affect me that negatively anyway. Wow. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's really only inside that circle that I get upset with <laughs> with with people and. So, yeah, it, it always comes back to we're not enemies. And there's always a positive because there's a reason why we're so close, mm. you know. And then the solution, well, we've got to figure that out because we're family. <laughs> so we've oh, got to get good. a solution here, yeah. right? So, that's good. Yeah. That's good. What, what about uh, for the two of you? What are, what are some of your thoughts on how maybe you've confronted the right way <laughs> or confronted the wrong way or maybe somebody's done that with you? Uh, what are you thinking about that? I think for me, um, if I start with number three, it's usually because I'm insecure. Which which is state the problem. Right. So if I go in um, to a situation, a relationship, and just state the problem, it's typically because I'm insecure and I know that I've played a part in it probably. Mm. Um, and I come across more defensive um, where when I can rationalize it and state the problem and state that we're not enemies and by not enemies, just taking the time to reflect and know that we're all in the flesh. 
And we're all coming at it with broken pieces. So trying to just understand where that other person is um, just has been such a huge benefit to helping me build strong relationships. And I know we've talked a lot about uh, conflict relationships, um, but it also helps with maintaining relationships, healthy relationships to say like, I'm insecure right now. That's why I'm coming across a little defensive mm. or I'm very hurt right now. That's why I might sound a little defensive, but I know that we can get um, this resolved between us, or I know that we can, you know, fix whatever conflict is coming between us. Um, so sometimes for me, it's looking internal um, and it's also about really valuing the other person. So at the end of the day, you want to get past this and have a loving, caring relationship. Yeah, that, that's powerful, Dorothy, because I think, I think for me, that's the difference when somebody speaks hard words to me and I feel like they don't care about me. That's a bitter pill. Mm. But when somebody speaks hard words to me and I know that they love me, and that the reason we're having this conversation is because they love me, they think I'm worth the conversation, that, that's completely different. And I think sometimes the reason we don't c confront people is because we've made a determination in our mind, they're not worth it. And mm -hmm. so when somebody has a problem with me and they're not willing to talk with me about it, I know mm -hmm. they have determined I'm not worth it. That's, that's even worse, right? Yeah. And so Tiffany, what are your thoughts? Well, I just, I flip it and I think if someone were to come to me with an issue and they got right to the point of here's the issue, blah, 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 my wall is up. Mm. I'm defensive. I'm probably not even hardly listening to what you say. But if you start with, you know, Tiffany, I think you're doing really great in this area. I appreciate this, blah, 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 blah. And then get to it. I'm a lot more softer and a lot more open. Um, what's the saying? You attract more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. Mm. I think that's a saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds pretty so. good. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Are, Tiffany, are you more of a fight or flight person? And let, let me clarify the question. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this too, because I think some people don't realize. They don't yeah. understand why people respond the way that they do when it comes to conflict. And that there are some people who are naturally fight people when, there's, when something makes them uncomfortable, they're ready to fight. And then there are other people in those same situations who their natural response is flight, to try to avoid it. And so often what you find is that fight and flight people are the ones who marry each other, right? <laughs> like, and so you've got one... Sounds accurate. Does that sound familiar? Uh, that, that you've got one uh, spouse who really wants to engage in the conversation and the other maybe who is more prone to run away from the conversation. Right. What, what would you say you, you tend to be a fight or a flight person? I'm definitely a fight. Your fight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so you, so when somebody comes at you and, I'm you're defensive. and your natural response is to fight, like how, how do you make sure that you don't, don't respond inappropriately? Well, I think that's probably um, taken a while to, to train yourself to do that, you know, it, it, to be honest with you, you need the Holy Spirit to help you to do that because you want to respond in the flesh. You want to respond with, oh yeah, well, let me tell you what I think about you. <laughs> you know, when really, what would Jesus do? Let's go right back to that. And to respond 
you're not pressing against flesh and blood. You know, if there really is an issue, then let's deal with it. Um, but I do, I think that that takes some, some effort. And I think it takes some training really to just respond properly and not lash out. Anybody else want to confess whether they're a fight or a flight person? I'm definitely, I'm definitely a flight person. Flight, um, okay. But it's, it's, a, I'm a weird flight person because I, I will have the fight, but I need to step away and kind of plan it a little bit. I need to be <laughs> prepared. So, so you go off into the back room to plan I, the attack. I actually go to the back room. <laughs> actually, that's exactly where I go. So does Tasha know when you're back there that she's just waiting for you to come out? Well, come, come Tasha will do her best to make sure I don't get back there because she's the fight person <laughs> out of the two of us and and, so and she I wants mean, to keep you right there yeah engaged. and and because she knows i'm going away to assess how uh we've actually had the conversation not to really let everybody in our house but we've had the conversation where she knows when i go back there i'm going to i'm going to go through the i'm going to play the whole scenario out and I'm going to figure. I'm going to think about if I say this, she's going to say this, and so I better be prepared to say this. And if she says this, I'm going to say this. And mm. I and I actually plan. I mean, I'm in sales naturally, but that's but that's what I do. And 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 so I do. I I I, I flight immediately so that I once I know what this fight is about, mm. I got to go, <laughs> and I'll be back. Don't worry. And it's the same with other relationships. Like if I know I have an issue with uh, with with somebody close to me, a, a relationship like. I, I don't usually address it right away. Like, I'll step back and kind of be like, okay, let's see what this is about or where this is coming from or why we're even doing this. And then it it does come, become a is it worth it thing. But, again, I also think that, that there's a love element in there too. Um, it's not that the person isn't worth it all the time. Sometimes is this fight worth it? Like, mm. am I, you know, like I have some pretty headstrong friends. Like that are really close with me, and, and so there's some there's some arguments or discussions that are just not worth having because we're gonna get worked up, we're gonna hug it out in the end. So let's just hug it out now hmm. and get over it and move on, you know. So yeah, I'm definitely a flight person, but it's the plan. <laughs> Guys, I appreciate the vulnerability. Good stuff. Now, Dorothy, we have a we have a tie. We have a fight and a flight. Which side of the fence yeah. do you fall on? I know, I know, I <laughs> know. <laughs> he is like, I know, I know, I know. I'm definitely a fighter, and uh, my husband would definitely be uh, the flighter. Um, I just have stories. So was that you chuckling when I said that fighters and flighters tend to marry each other? Absolutely. We both did. <laughs> but I fight and then flight. I'm like, here's my point. Gone. Drop the mic. Um, but I had to, I had a friend reach out and it taught me such a valuable lesson is for anybody who knows me, I do not live by my cell phone. I do not live by social media. Um, so my friends often text me, email, call me, uh, and I don't reply. And I, it's not that I don't reply on purpose. So I shouldn't take that personally. No, not at all. And my friends that are watching this, they're all laughing in agreement right now um, because it causes them a lot of frustration and a lot of hurt. And I finally had a friend that reached out and said, you are amazing. And I love you being in my life. So there's that positive piece. <laughs> and then she said, you know, we are going to be friends. So we're not enemies. And mm. then she said, it really hurts me. I feel 
dismissed by you. Mm. When I send a message, I see that you've read it, but you don't reply. Or I call you and you don't answer. And I replied with, I'm so sorry. I value our relationship. I'm just really trying to be intentional about the amount of time that I'm on the phone and the amount of FaceTime I have with my family. So how do we work this out? Do we have a specific time that I check and call you back? And very quickly, a problem that has really caused some problems in a lot of my friendships and a lot of my relationships was resolved because she had enough love and respect Mm. to have that conversation with me. So when I opened it up to the rest of my friends, they were like, oh, okay. It's not that you don't care and it's not that you don't value It's because you're trying to set other values in your life. So being a little proactive sometimes is such a huge benefit. Dorothy, you said something super, super powerful there too. I didn't, did not interrupt you, did I? No. Okay. I just want to make sure. I want to hear how powerful I was. Well, let me tell you how good you are. (laughs) Uh, You said something super, super powerful about what your friend did. That you mentioned they started with the positive we're not enemies, I love you, we're in this together, all, all the right stuff. But, but when you said that they stated the problem, number three, and then that I'm gonna, I wanna be part of the solution, let's work out something to make sure that we're good in this together, number four. But what I love is what you said in number three. She didn't attack you for your behavior. She simply communicated what you had done and how it made her feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the most powerful things that we need to remember in relationships is that we think the other person is the problem. That's what you were talking about at the very beginning, Tia, is how often when we're upset at someone, we immediately rush to, they're the problem. And one of the most powerful things we can do is if we can isolate the problem from the person. And when we think that the person is the problem rather than the situation or what what they've done, then we end up saying things like, you always or you never, these big categorical statements that are character judgments. We're denigrating and attacking the other person rather than saying, Dorothy, what you presented, what your friend said to you was so spiritually mature, so powerful. Instead of saying, you're the problem, Dorothy, because I text you and it takes you forever to get back to me and I, you, know, and you make me feel like, uh, like I don't matter and you're inconsiderate. And, like That's how often those conversations go because we attack the other person for what they've done when they hurt our feelings. But instead, what I heard you say was she came to you and she did all the right stuff. Start with the positive. Remember, we're not enemies. I love you. But then when she stated the problem, she didn't say you were the problem. She said, here's what you've done. And she said, and here is how that made me feel. And that's not a character judgment, right? Like a lot of times we hurt people's feelings and we don't mean to. And so she's recognizing, giving you the benefit of the doubt, recognizing that you're not doing this intentionally. I'm not blaming you. I'm just letting you know how your action or lack of action makes me feel. And I know you don't want me to feel that way. And she actually so, said those words, those exact words. I know that this would hurt you. 
if you knew how it made me feel. Wow, we need to get her to teach a class. You'll have to send me that name later. (laughs) (laughs) A a class on how to do this. Yeah. No, it was amazing for me to to have, because a lot of times I can be loud um, and fill a room. Um, And this friend of mine um, does not have that same... um, that same vocal presence, maybe we'll put it that way. Um, so I know for her to get the courage to bring that up, it was so valuable to our friendship. But not only that, it was so valuable for me moving forward in other relationships to say, okay, if you send me a text message, it might be three days before I answer you, but I still love you. Mm. Um, so it's helped, it's helped like clarify some things that other people might take offense from. That's excellent. As we've been talking about that, Tiffany and Tia, did you have anything that came to mind that you, I don't want to shut you out here? No, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Well, I I, I will mention one more thing about that uh, before we move on. And it's something that we've mentioned already when it comes to confrontation and it's the benefit of the doubt that what I have found is one of the, the best ways to prevent both the fight and the flight response. This works whether you're talking to somebody who is a, their immediate response is to fight back and get defensive, or whether it's the person whose immediate response is flight to run away and not deal with the conflict. And it's simply this, giving them the benefit of the doubt It's what you said at the very beginning, Tia, is recognizing, do you know what? I think this other person is the problem, and I think that I'm the completely innocent victim in this. But I doubt that I'm 100% innocent in anything, right? Like, I'm a messed up human being. I know that I'm not. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it it might take me a second, but I I know my personality. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm like Dorothy. I'm loud and I fill rooms. So how do you own that? When you, when you're coming to me and you're saying, Joel, Man, I, I need to talk to you about something. Yeah. How do you own that you that, might... That ownership would have happened in the flight part, I, I guess. It would have happened in my preparing to come and talk to you. You know, it would okay. have been... Because I, I usually don't address things angry anymore. Like, I just don't... It's not, it's not good. I've had enough instances where I've gotten into arguments with people, and by the time I walked away, I realized that it was all me, or mostly me, or, or I played a much bigger role in it. Because, you know, and, and, and a lot of us are the same. If, if, you're in a, if you're in a confrontation, sometimes you don't necessarily listen to the other person. Mm. Like, you, you hear it because it's coming at you, and you need, to, you, know, you, know, you need to assess the level so you can go over it. But um, I know for, for me, I've, I've, you know, had a lot of conversations where, you know, 10 minutes after said conversation where I've come back and apologized and realized that, you know, it is me, <laughs> you know? Um, so usually like now for me, like you hardly ever see me just address something, um, or just go at anything because, um, and it's not, I, I like I joked around about the whole, you know, preparing for, for a discussion, but there is some some truth to that oh, in definitely. that in that I want to make sure that I think some some of those confrontations would go better if people actually would prepare. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just like to I like to I like to know that 
I'm coming at it from the right place or, or you know, or that, you know, whatever I'm, and like Dorothy uses the word offense and I love that, that word because it is, it's, it's such a, it's, it's such a standalone word in a lot of situations that we don't get to, you know? Um, and so for me, I spend a lot of time thinking like, am I offended or am I upset? Because mm. if I'm offended, that's, mo that's more me. <laughs> that's because I, you know, I read this a certain way or I, you know, I took this a certain way or whatever. Mm. If I'm upset, then you actually did something to upset me. We're going to have to deal with that. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's important to, for me anyway, it's important that I don't just go in on stuff like that and, and, and it's helpful. Well, and, and so what I find, I, I love that, um, everything that you said about that, it reminded me about how when I go to confront someone, I might not realize what part I have played in this issue, but you know what? When I go and talk to them about what I think they've done wrong, I'm not going to find out what, I, what part I played own in that unless I ask them. And so, uh, so one of the things to do is stop in that preparation time. When you say you go into that back room to prepare for the conversation, one of the most important things that you can do in the conversation is to spend maybe not as much time assessing what the other person did wrong, which is what we tend to obsess about, but spend some equal time asking what did I do to contribute to it. So that that way, when I come into that conversation and I come and say, well, Dorothy, Tiffany, and Tia, I need to talk to you guys about something. Here's an issue that I see that I think we need to talk about. That I start with that benefit of the doubt where I say a couple of things, though, in that conversation. I say, number one, benef benefit of the doubt, I know you probably did not mean this the way I took it. Or when you said this or did this, you probably did not mean for it to come out the way that, that it was perceived. So I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt on that, that the reason we're talking about this is because I know you probably didn't mean it, so I wanna find out what you did mean. And then the second piece of that is, and let me also say, uh, I'm not perfect. I've done this exact same thing again and again. So I'm not coming at you from a position of superiority. I'm coming to you as a fellow frail human being who has messed up again and again and done the exact same kind of things that we're talking about here. So this is not me attacking you. And when you give the benefit of the doubt and then take ownership for your own frailty and apologize for the ways that you've probably hurt them as well, that usually that diffuses both the fight and or the flight instinct so that we can actually have a real tender, you know, productive conversation one of my one of my closest friends him and i are very did, he hey guys did we lose his mic one of my close oh, there it is. one of my there closest is, friends um actually my actual closest friend is uh we're both very um forward moving people um and even in in confrontation and when we one thing I've learned about us is that um we've learned to actually lead with love with each other vocally first <laughs> because we do we have a lot of disagreements and some of them are big some of them are small i mean we get over all of them but before we leave each other a chance to be hurt mm. we're all it, it i don't it came naturally it's not something that we 
practiced for, but we just know that if both of us are going to be in this fight, someone could get hurt mm. because we know each other, who we right. are. Right. And so we all, it always starts with the love part, you know, and, and yeah, we, some of our conversations get pretty heated, but I never, I've never ever had to question no matter what he says in that conversation, how much he loves me. Mm. And he's never had to question that for me. And we've had that discussion too, where like, you know, we, we walk away from a conversation and call each other the next day. Okay. I walked away, but you know, I love you, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and it'd be, yeah, right. I never, never questioned that. I just right. knew that we weren't going to get a solution today. <laughs> so. I think my husband has relationships down pat. He has a three-pronged relationship that solves any relationship problem we have. He always says to me, I was wrong. You were right. And what was I thinking? <laughs> that solves any relationship issue that we have. <laughs> but I was interested, Pastor Joel. Are you fight or flight? Yeah, I yeah. didn't answer that, did I? I no, think I, I think I'm probably like you said, Dorothy, where it kind of depends on the circumstance, and uh, and so I do not naturally run towards conflict, but I know. Here's what I've said. One time, I had uh, I had a staff member at uh, at the church. And this was a, somebody, they were fresh out of school. They'd only been in their job at, at the church as a pastor for just a year or two or three. And, uh, and I, I was constantly walking through mentoring them how to deal with conflicts. Because if you're going to lead people, you're going to deal with people, you're going to constantly deal with conflict and confrontation. And, uh, and she said something that was kind of interesting to me. One of the times she was, again, trying to figure out how to respond to uh, somebody that was complaining about something, and uh, and so we were we were talking through the issue, and I was kind of giving some guidance on maybe some of the angles to take and what not to say, and 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 she said, Joel, you seem to love conflict, and I went, Oh no 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 no, I don't love conflict. She's like, because you're, you're, you're making me confront people all the time on stuff. <laughs> and I said, no, it's not that I love conflict. But what I know is that about 80% of the time, if I handle it in a humble way with the steps that we've talked about tonight, about 80% of the time, the relationship's going to be better. Like 80% of the time. Yeah. About 20% of the time, it was probably going to turn out poorly one way or the other because the person's just you know, whatever. But what I found is about 100% of the time, if I don't deal with the issue, then it's probably going to get worse. And so it's not that I love conflict. It's just that I, I know statistics and I'm playing the odds. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so I think what that means for me is I, I might naturally be more of a flight person, but, uh, but I'm willing to go and make the confrontation, uh, and I guess, actually, I don't even know I answered that right, too, because I guess the way that I addressed it to all of you was more when somebody comes to you, and so let me think, when somebody comes to me, how do I respond? I, th I think my natural response, like you said, Tiffany, is defensiveness. My personality type is about what's right, what's wrong, and, and so I immediately have a tendency to go to defensiveness, like you talked about, but that I have to, I have to take a deep breath and so what I find a lot of times when somebody comes at me, that the first two minutes of the conversation are me being defensive until the Holy Spirit speaks to me, 
right? And all of a sudden says, Joel, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> just listen. And the Holy Spirit starts reminding me, instead of defending yourself, ask questions so that you can figure out what's really going on here beneath mm-hmm. the issue. And so a lot of times the first two minutes of my fight is completely counterproductive. And then the rest of the hour of the conversation is wonderful and beautiful because I, I stop fighting and just let the Holy Spirit lead. And so, uh, well, before I go to the next question, this, we, we have a question that came in from the chat that I might want to, uh, to be able to address here in just a second. But before we do, I just want to say, is there anything else on your heart? Anything? I don't, I don't want to cut anybody short before we go on to the next question, if there's anything you wanted to say. Are we good? Okay. I'll just share one thing. Absolutely. Um, one of the things my husband and I have practiced early in our marriage is it's we have a, an imaginary garbage bag. And every time that we have conflict, we'll say to each other, are you putting this in my bag? Because you walk through life and you've got to carry that bag and that garbage with you the whole time of your relationship. And eventually that bag gets heavy. Um, so when, as we're having conversations, we're like, are you putting this in my bag? Another thing that we do is weekly, we say, I'm checking in, like I'm checking in. Is there anything that's causing you frustration emotionally, spiritually, um, relationship wise so that we can become proactive because sometimes it's the little things that, that start to fill up your bag or the little things that you start to accumulate So when something does hit you the wrong way, you get a whole wrath come down at you Mm. um, where it's not really the situation that you're dealing with. It's just all of the little things that you haven't dealt with. So it's really important, whether it's with your husband or your children or your friends or your family, do a check-in. Do say, I'm just checking in. How are we? Like, Mm. am I there for you when you need me? Am I away too much? Like, am I offending you? Um, do that check-in so that a lot of these issues can be dissolved before they even wind up being huge issues. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. That's really, really good. Uh, Tiffany, I want to address a question to you that came in in the chat. In just a minute, we're going to get to Denny's question uh, that was sent to me. But first, I just kind of wonder, Tiffany, what you would have to say about this. Uh, Jenna asks, how do you know when you should discuss an issue and, and do the things that we've talked about t- tonight versus when maybe it's better to just let it go and forgive it and not address the issue with the person. I would say if you feel that you're offended by it, you need to discuss it. Absolutely. If you feel that it has, you know, because the Bible talks about a root of bitterness. And if you don't get to it right away, as Dorothy discussed, um, it could cause a root of bitterness. So if it's something that can just roll off your back and really it hasn't offended you and you, you know, you probably think maybe they didn't mean to do it. They probably didn't even know they did it. Mm. Just let it go. But if you find that it's eating away at you, go talk to that person right away. That's good. Yeah. I think sometimes it's really important too to assess, you know, the other person in the conversation. Like I won't, I won't, I won't have an, an altercation or, or, or a difficult discussion with somebody that I know won't be impacted by it. Mm. You know, like if I know that me telling you exactly how I feel about something that we just, that just happened isn't going to impact you anyway, you're not going to change it, you're not, then sometimes I just don't bother having the discussion because 
I'm just, it's, it's only going to make me worse, <laughs> right? And so um, for me personally, again, like I, I, I can only speak from a personal place um, on these subjects. But uh, for me, that's something that I actually, you know, I think, I think through. Like, you know, is this actually, is there going to be a result <laughs> out of this conversation? Or am I going to be the only one in it being affected by it? And if that's the case, then I, I, I will, I'll let it go. It's just not, it's not, it's not worth it to me to, to, to make myself worse for, yeah. you know. And I, I think for me, the answer to that question has generally been, if I know that I cannot hold it against this person, like, like I'm able to, like we said, you know, they probably didn't mean it and benefit of the doubt and, and if I know that I'm not going to hold it against that person, then I, I, I might not need to bring it up. But like you said, Tiffany, if, if I'm going to hang on to it, and from now on I write them off because of this misunderstanding or because of this thing that I was afraid to confront, yeah. then I probably need to confront it because now it's become my problem, not their problem if yeah. I'm not willing to literally let it go and not hold it against them. And, and so that brings us to Denny's question, and I'll just kind of leave this out open for the forum, and this will be one of our last questions before we uh, head into what we'll finish with, Tiffany, is what you started with when it comes to the power of forgiveness, the necessity of forgiveness. But before we go there, and we'll make that our wrap-up, first I want to uh, bring in Denny's question. This is a perfect question for this moment, is... What role does prayer pray, play for you when it comes to dealing with these relationship issues or confronting someone? Uh, how does prayer come into the equation for you? That's a great question. And I think question. taking the time to taking the time to pray um, and taking the time to to have the Holy Spirit. Tiffany, you had talked about that, as did you, Pastor Joel, and having the Holy Spirit respond and not the flesh respond um, is so powerful. It also is going to remind us, how would Jesus handle this situation? Not how do we feel with our emotions um, that we should deal with that situation. So I think it's critical to pray just for wisdom, for peace, for grace, um, before that you go into a situation that could potentially have conflict. Yeah, I would agree for sure. It's, it's definitely important, um, you know, to make sure that your heart is right. And uh, for wisdom, like you said, that, you know, God help me to say the right thing. I don't want to offend this person in return, or I don't want to, you know, ruin this relationship maybe. So help me to say the right thing. And, you know, if, if I've done something wrong, help me to see it that I can apologize. And uh, yeah, I think it's very important. The, the Holy Spirit is so much wiser than we are on these things, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and before we get to that last one, one more. I, I just, as we were talking, I realized that there was one that I had written down that uh, somebody gave me earlier this week, and I had forgotten to, uh, to get to it tonight. And uh, it was Travis who was asking about a concept that he called psychological time. And when I asked him to unpack that question, uh, he said what, what that means is psychological time in relationships 
is being present in the moment was the way that he defined it. And he just wanted to, I, I think it was a question, but I think as much as anything, what he was giving me in that conversation was a reminder as well about the power of being present in the moment rather than psychologically being in the past in the midst of a conversation or psychologically being in the present or in the future rather. And, I, and in that little dialogue that I had with Travis, I thought that was a powerful reminder as well because if any of you are like me, sometimes in the moment we're having a conversation and I'm thinking about all kinds of other stuff, right? And I wonder how much more power and, and depth can, can be in our relationships when we're conscious of being present in, in the moment with people. Yeah, I, I might be a little bit um, extreme on the being in the moment part. Like I, I, I can, it's, it's a gift and a curse at the same time. I, I, can, I can very much be where I am right now. And so like, for example, uh, my wife and I, like we're both busy people. Um, so we make it a point to, you know, make sure we have supper together, even if it's just in the living room watching TV. But that's all I'm doing, and I, I'm not thinking about anything else at that time. You know, um, like I, 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 I'm pretty. I pride myself a little bit on no being able to be in the moment and being able to shut off things around me. Mm. Um, I can, I can do that if I'm, if I'm. I, people who are close to me know uh, the the term is T is done peopling, mm. and I can <laughs> do that in 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 the, in a moment. Yeah. I can just be like, okay, I just need a break. And I can take that moment even while you're still here, right. but I can be in that moment. And so the people who know me, it doesn't affect people who are just getting to know me. Sometimes it makes them a little uncomfortable every once in a while because yeah. all of a sudden tea is quiet. <laughs> but yeah. for people that really know me, they just move on with what's going on because I know I'll be <laughs> back. I just needed a moment <laughs> to, to deal with a moment. And then I'm back and I'm fully present right. with them when I get back, you right. know. So, yeah, that's good. Tia, you do like your peopling. <laughs> I've had, I love that comment from Travis because I have a relationship um, from my past, which um, now in my present with somebody else, it triggers a reaction. Mm. So it's not necessarily the person that I'm dealing with, but it's past issues with another person that are similar. So I have to continuously remind myself that this is a different relationship, though it feels the same. It's a different person with a different heart and a different mind um, to make sure that I am present and mindful of who I'm talking with. And I'm not taking some of that baggage from my past hurts um, or hangups and, and putting them into this relationship. That, that was a powerful. Idea. Yeah, that's powerful. How often when somebody does something to us, we immediately associate with them, uh, associate them with somebody else who did something similar. And so we rush to judgment and put them in a box, put them in a category. That's powerful, Dorothy. Okay, well, here's what we have found over these, this is week five of doing this, is we found after about an hour, uh, I think people start to fall asleep on their phones or on their computers or whatever. And so... 
our, our numbers start to go down a little bit with our live viewers and, and so forth. And so, uh, so once we hit that one hour mark, I'm starting to think of the exit ramp. Okay? I'm realizing that after about an hour, my body doesn't do these stools very well. I know, right? Yeah, they're not the most comfortable stools. I agree. But your legs are going to be asleep when you stand up. twisting and turning. Oh, it, yeah, it's not good. Every Wednesday night when we do these, I get up and I have to kind of stretch. They're bad stools. Okay, uh, what were we talking about? Okay, thanks, Steve. Uh, <laughs> but what I want to finish with is what we started with. When Tiffany, you said at the very beginning that one of the reasons you're passionate about this subject is because you know of the dangers of unforgiveness and holding on to bitterness. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you have to say to people about that tonight? Well, I just think of the people that possibly, you know, listen to you on Sunday and at the end of the sermon, you know, maybe someone's come to mind and you want to forgive that person. And I know that there was people probably sitting there thinking, yeah, but you don't know what, you, what they've done. Or if they, if I forgive them, that, that get, lets them get away with, with what they've done. And you know what, being in ministry for as long as I have, I know that people have done some horrible, horrible, horrible things that really you have every reason to not forgive them, but you don't have any right to not forgive them. Because Jesus says, if you don't forgive, neither will I forgive you. It's so, so, so important. And I think that people think when they withhold forgiveness from someone, what that is, it's a, it's a false sense of power. Mm. And they think, you know, I've got this and, and I'm not going to let this go. And this gives me the power in this situation. But really, I'm sure that people have heard it said that it's like, I think you actually mentioned it on Sunday. It's like drinking rat poison and expecting the other person right. to die. Right. Um, it's just so, so, so powerful. And it's as simple as I choose to forgive that person in Jesus name. But let me remind you that it might not be just a one-time event. Mm. It could be an ongoing thing. I have people in my life that maybe once a week, once every three or four days, that memory, that emotion, that trigger will come up and I can feel those emotions and I can start to get angry. And then I have to stop and say, no, I choose to forgive that person. I've forgiven them. I let it go. So it could be that the situation is so horrible that what happened to you you've got to, you've got to forgive them. Like the Bible talks about so many times and you're thinking how many more times. And also in, in speaking that, um, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship and you forgive that person, right. don't stay in that relationship. Right. My goodness, right. that's not what we're saying. We are saying you have to forgive that person, but you don't have to jump back in the frying pan with them. You know, mm. if, if a friend keep, continues to hurt you and continues to, you know, talk bad about you and do this, 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 you don't have to be friends with them. You have to love them, but you don't have to like them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> That's that, always been my thing. I don't Tiffany, know how Christian that is, but... <laughs> uh, no, no, you're absolutely right. We're not talking about life without boundaries, right? Right. Like we need boundaries as well. And, and, and I'm so glad that you brought that up, Tiffany, because I thought about it after the message on Sunday and after we walked through that prayer time where I, I, I kind of walked people through some steps towards how to forgive and what it is and what it isn't. And the one thing that I did mention that I think is so important that you brought up and I mentioned on Sunday, which is forgiveness does mean that I am, I am letting them off my hook, that they don't have to pay me back for what they did anymore. Now, they might have to pay legal consequences. Like if we're talking about, you know, something criminal or an abusive situation or whatever, they might have to take the consequence for what they have done. 
But as far as them having to pay me back personally, I am letting them off my hook. But I said, but that doesn't mean they're off God's hook. I'm saying right. that God avenges better than I do. Right. And, and that it's a lie from Satan that I can avenge what they've done to me because that's right. God's job. And so, I'm, so in forgiving, I am trusting that God is going to take care of them better than I would. That's the yeah. first thing. And I did talk about that, and I felt good about how we, he walked through that. But what you mentioned, Tiffany, was something that in retrospect, I wished I would have mentioned on Sunday, and it was boundaries. And it's what you just said, that just because I forgive someone too, that does not mean that I allow them to continue to abuse and take advantage of me again and again. I can forgive and still maintain boundaries. Come on now. Love, love and access are not the same thing. Mm, <laughs> you know, unpack that. So I, I love everybody. And, and I'm being real when I say that. Like people, yeah. people, people know I do. But everybody doesn't have access to me. If, yeah. if, if you're going to, if, if, if you be having access to me is going to hire me, then I can love you from here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I don't, I don't need, you know, it, it, and, and we, we're in a society right now where uh, terms and words are all jumbled up that, you know, that their, their meanings are, are taken down. Right. And so just to be clear about that and, and, and people who know me know this, that like, Love and access are not the same thing for me. I've, I've heard you say that before. <laughs> right? We talked about it last year. Yeah, yeah. like, you, you know, I, and, and, and I can. I can very much, like, I'm not going to treat you differently. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be mean to you or, or nasty to you. But I just know I can't move with you, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. And so, so I don't love you any less. Just got to do it from over here, <laughs> right. you know. You, and, 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 and I think that if, you, if you're clear about those boundaries for yourself, People don't really get offended by them, <laughs> you know. If they if they know, you know, like that there's people who I have you know relationships with that aren't my close close friends, who know there's a boundary. Like you know what, I and I've actually had to tell some people like, look, man, every time I'm around you, I leave exhausted and not in a good way. Like not because we <laughs> did something positive. You right. know what I mean? I ju I'm just tired, and so. I will say no to being around you, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and it's awkward sometimes, but people will get it or they'll either adjust to it or they'll, you know, not be such a pain. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right? That's good. I, uh, I call those people my balcony people. <laughs> yeah. So I've got people that sit on the front row of my life and then I've got people that I've put up in the balcony. You mm. can watch from there. <laughs> and, <you know. laughs> I love you, That's but good. you're not going to sit on the front row of my life anymore. That's like good. it sounds harsh, but it's necessary. Yeah. It's yeah. necessary. Absolutely. Like you have yeah. to have boundaries, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And and I've said that in in church leadership, that when when someone violates trust or abuses their position, I will will work through that, and I will forgive them. But I don't put them right back into leadership right again. Right? Absolutely. That there's a difference between forgiveness and boundaries. So, yeah. Well, guys, this has been fantastic. Dorothy, do you have any closing words as well? No, I think it's been great. I actually walking away with a lot more information. I really appreciated all of the comments people sent in and the dialogue. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, yes. And thank you, Tiffany and Tia as well. And Dorothy, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray to close us out here this evening. 
And then I want to give you just a few closing words, so stick around for that. Uh, but Heavenly Father, I just thank you for everyone who's joined us for this conversation, those who are with us live right now in the moment, those who will watch this on Facebook in the days and maybe even the weeks to come, and those who will listen to this on a podcast here and around the world. Lord, we just pray that if there is anything tonight that you want to embed in someone's heart and call them to action over by the power of your spirit. Lord, that you would do that, that, that if there is some area of relational bondage or bitterness or uh, something that they need to get right, either with you, Lord, or with someone else, that you would make it clear to them tonight and that you would give them hope that you can do it by your spirit and with the tools that we have given them this evening. And so, Father, we thank you. We know that we were not designed to do life alone, that you have designed us to live in community. And so thank you for that community that you have placed in our life through the church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so what I want to just remind you as we close out is this Sunday is the last Sunday of the series. And these last three weeks, we've said that these last three weeks, we are dealing with three of the greatest, most common areas of bondage that we see people, even after they come to Christ, that many people still come up against one of these three areas. So if you've missed any of these three Sundays that finish up the series, we really want to encourage you to make sure you go back and, and listen to them, really any of the six. Uh, because maybe God has something for you that he doesn't want you to miss. Thank you for joining us tonight. One more time, thank you to our guests, to Dorothy and Tiffany and Tia. Haven't they been fantastic? Give them a shout out in the comments. God bless you. We love you, and we'll see you on Sunday.